Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. Jerusalem for the last time on Palm Sunday, and in 72 hours, because it's Tuesday of Holy Week, He is going to be on the cross. Time is short, and as Jesus neared the end of His life, His preaching got more pointed and vigorous. On this particular day, He was preaching in the temple about Himself and why He had come. That people were sinful, but He had come to save them and forgive them with His life, death, and resurrection that was upcoming. The religious leaders heard what he was saying and said, Who gave you the authority to preach here? And the implied answer was, We didn't. So get out of here. Jesus then told them the parable of the wicked tenants. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the big point of it was directed to those religious leaders because they had been given God's Word and even been commissioned to be in charge of preaching and teaching that Word, centering on Jesus, the Savior of the world, to all the people. How did they handle that gift their generous God had given them? Well, here's the parable Jesus told to them as well as to us, helping us in the direction of not being a terrible tenant, but instead being one that God enjoys. The parable starts with Jesus talking about a wealthy landowner building a vineyard and then renting it out to some tenant farmers and going away for a long time. In Mark's Gospel, when his version of the parable of the wicked tenants is told he includes the detail that this landowner pulled out all the stops in building his vineyard he dug a moat around the vineyard and and a wine press in order to protect it and make it easy at harvest time he built a watchtower so that the tenants could go up in the watchtower and see if anyone was coming far away animal or enemy to harm the vineyard So this landowner built the vineyard in a generous way and then he went away for a long time entrusting his baby to these tenants, giving them everything they needed to have a smashing success with the vineyard. Then the time came for the landowner to reap a little bit of the harvest. Nothing unreasonable. It was normal for the owner to rent the land to the tenants and say, I'm going to let you live here. I'm going to let you have this job. I'm going to let you keep X percent of the harvest, and my cut is X percent off the top. So he sent a servant at harvest time to collect his percent. Nothing unreasonable. Didn't ask for all the harvest. Wasn't mean to them at all. How did these tenants react to the simple, normal, contract-fulfilling request of the landowner. Luke 20, beginning at verse 9. 
Jesus went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant. But that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third and they wounded him and threw him out. Did you notice the escalation in the wicked tenants? The first servant, they beat him and said, get out of here. Not one grape, not one drop of wine for the landowner. Shockingly, the landowner sent a second one. Maybe there was some mistake. Maybe this will go different the second time. And that one they escalated to not only beat him, but also beat him and treat shamefully with words. You nasty bleepity bleep, get out of here. And go tell your landowner he can stick it. Shockingly, the landowner sent a third servant and they escalated further yet. This time they not only beat him, they wounded him. The Greek word behind the word wounded is one you might not know came from a Greek root. Traumatized. That's actually a Greek word. means wounded and left a permanent scar. That's what the tenants did to the third servant that came to simply fulfill the contract that they and the landowner had signed. And still, not one grape, not one drop of wine. Talk about repaying generosity with evil. What would the landowner do? That's actually the next verse, isn't it? Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? And I think any normal person would say, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my shotgun and go over there and we're going to make this right, me and those wicked tenants. But look at what this landowner does. What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. One definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again and again, but expecting different results. Is this landowner insane? He keeps sending these servants and the results are the same or worse, and so then he responds by sending his son, his pride and joy, the one he cares about the most compared to the servants, assuming that maybe they'll respect the son when they had absolutely no respect for any of the servants in increasing amounts. The tenants saw the sun coming, and perhaps they were standing in that watchtower that the landowner had generously built for them. They saw him coming a long way off, and this is what they decided. When the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. It was premeditated. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. They escalated even more when the sun came. 
They did the unbelievable and unthinkable, not only murdering their generous landowner's son, but also concluding, if we kill the heir, then we get it. I'm pretty sure the number one way to not be included in a will is to kill someone that the person writing the will is related to. Wouldn't you say? It makes no sense what they were thinking. And yet that's what they did. What was Jesus getting at with this parable? Maybe I should finish it first. What will then the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. So finally, in the end, the landowner does what we would have done far sooner, most likely. Kill the tenants and get new ones. Let justice be served. Here's the meaning of the parable. Because it's a story Jesus told with a heavenly meaning behind it. God is the landowner. And the tenants were the religious leaders of the day. They had been given God's word for themselves as well as to share with others. They should have been the leaders of pointing the way to Jesus as the Savior of the world. They should have had the softest hearts and the most joy when Jesus came as the Messiah for them and the world. And yet instead, they responded to God's generosity giving them this high privilege and honor by being nothing but wicked and evil and actually leading the charge to kill the Son of God. Being defiant and snarky and mean at Jesus or anyone connected to Jesus. If you wanted to get in trouble with the religious leaders at that time, all you had to do was say, I love Jesus. The point of the parable was this. When Jesus comes calling, you had better listen. We do well to not make the same mistake as those wicked tenants and the religious leaders. There were two different reactions to the parable. Some people said, may this never be! And God willing, many of those people had repentant hearts that trusted in Christ. Others, though, the religious leaders, got quiet and defiant and cold-hearted. They knew Jesus had spoken the parable against them, and they wanted to murder Jesus, who is standing there in front of them, more than ever before. How does this parable touch our hearts? Would we ever be like those wicked tenants? At first, we all want to say no. And as Christians, that's the right answer some of the time. Yet, as Christians, we also still have this sinful nature that is so me first, so stubborn and rebellious. We are like the wicked tenant when our sinful nature is driving. There's that little wicked tenant inside of all of us. When God brings us his word, there's a part of us that thinks, what does he know? Reacting as though we are the owner of everything and God needs to listen to us. Yikes. When God brings his word, especially if it's something that's different than what we always thought and even held fast to, 
We react by saying, what does he know? I'm not changing. He needs to change. When God brings his word and tells us hard things like love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that wicked tenant inside of us says, what does he know? I'm not doing that. That's the number one way to get trampled. We have that wicked tenant inside of us that drives when we sin. And we sin every day. So that means that wicked tenant inside of us is sometimes driving. Every day. We're beggars before God. Even though He's been so generous to us, we struggle to be generous to Him in return. When you think about Jesus telling this parable, there's a couple conclusions you just have to marvel at. One of them certainly is He was so courageous. Would you stand in the middle of a mixed group? People who despised you to the point of wanting to murdering you for years? Would you stand there and lovingly but firmly look them in the eye and tell them how wrong they have been? And that if they don't change, they're going to be doomed and crushed? Jesus had guts to tell this parable to begin with. And His guts grow even stronger, don't they, when you know in 72 hours His tough love and courage was going to result in the ultimate personal harm, being tortured and murdered by these same wicked people to whom He was talking. And yet, why did He do it? Why didn't He just run away? Why didn't He just not come into town? And let someone else deal with it. Because in unconditional love for anyone who has a little wicked tenant inside of them, people just like us, He couldn't stand to see us go to hell. He couldn't stand to see us apart from God forever. He couldn't bear to watch God, the generous Creator and Preserver of the universe, doing everything for us watching us respond with wickedness. And that's how it would stay forever. So he gave up his life. The biggest gift he could give. Jesus was willing to die for people just like us. For people just like those religious leaders that he was standing in front of on the day he told the parable. He was willing to do that because He has such a passion for us to be in heaven with Him forever. So that we have something to cling to as we go through this roller coaster life. So that we have hope as we are laying on our deathbed with no other place to turn. Jesus did this so that we could live even after we die and live with Him in perfection forever. What an amazing Savior we have. The more you read about Him in the Bible, the more you think about Him and His love for you, the more you conclude God has been so generous, so generous to me. I want to be generous to Him in return. And so when He shares with us what's on His mind through the simple, plain, and clear meaning of the Holy Bible, Instead of giving him pushback, 
instead of almost taunting the words, we say, thank you. Tell me more. Lord, you are God, I am not. You are wise. Let me learn from you. Let me trust you. Lead me to hold fast to your truth above all things, even when life looks grim. And when I see things in this world that are falling apart and growing worse by the second, you look wrong. I have to trust your word above all things. And I want to because you're generous to me. And that's how it's always going to stay in Christ. Even when God gives us difficult commands in his word, things we would never do otherwise, like love your enemies, Pray for those who persecute you. Forgive as I have forgiven you. We say, okay. But Lord, I need your help. I can't do it on my own. I won't. That wicked tenant rises up way too fast. That wicked tenant inside of me is way too strong. Lord, you help me overcome my sinful nature so that I love my enemies with the courage that Jesus had, with the unconditional love that Jesus had, with the guts that he had to speak the truth in love all the time and look out for the best interest of those in front of me, even if they're not looking out for me. Help me to think about their eternal destiny as the number one thing I care about when I think about them. And then move forward one little step at a time under your care. What an amazing opportunity we have to live a grace-filled life in this grace-less world around us. You want to make a difference in someone's life? Just be a repentant Christian. Your light will shine in the darkness all around. And as everyone else is being me first and trampling over one another to be more me first than before. You can be generous. Generous to the God who gives you life. Generous to the God who gives you His Word. Generous to the God who gives you His home in heaven to share for all eternity. Set your heart there. And then God will come to you on your last day and say, Welcome to heaven, faithful tenant. I've been waiting. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.